You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Last week I preached to you about heaven. Today I want to preach to you about hell. Specifically, I want to preach to you on how you can escape hell. Luke chapter 16 is where we'll be. Verse 19 is where we'll start. Let's stand in honor of God's word, Luke chapter 16. Make sure everyone can see a Bible, please. If you have a cell phone, please put it on silent. I understand that some of you are on call 24-7. Now, I know that you can't turn your phone off. I know if you could turn your phone off, you would. I understand that, but let's make sure that it's not a distraction, please. Luke chapter 16. If you have a Bible with red lettering in it, you will notice that in verse 19, this is red letters. Jesus is speaking. And he's talking to a group of people, some believers and some non-believers. Mostly right now, he's focusing on non-believers. He's talking to the Pharisees in verse 14. And what he says in verse 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 is going to lead into verse 19. Jesus often told parables. A parable is a, people say, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Or or it literally means to cast alongside. A parable is more like an illustration, maybe a hypothetical to help us understand something that is actually going on. This is not a parable. This is a real story, and we know that because the Lord uses a name. He talks about a man, a real man with a real name, two real men. He gives us one of their names. And he says this in verse 19, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He wore the most expensive color, purple. He purchased the most expensive material, linen. And he ate the most expensive food, and he did so daily. Very rich man. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which laid at the rich man's gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, really trying to bring out the contrast of how these two men lived. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, a a chasm, a separation so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. I I find that very interesting. 
I can understand the last part of the verse. Son, you are in hell. And anybody who would want to come from hell to heaven can't, no matter how much you would want to. But then he also says, even if people in heaven would want to leave heaven and come to hell, they can't do that. Now, I would understand why someone would want to come out of hell and go to heaven. Why would people want to come out of heaven to go to hell? And the answer is found a little later. There's going to be a time where people in heaven are going to see their loved ones cast into that horrible place. And what we see in a little bit is this man in hell saw people that he knew in heaven. Then he said, the rich man, verse 27, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. How you can escape from hell. It's in this passage. Does anyone want to raise their hand and tell me the verse? that contains the escape from hell. Did you see it? Anyone want to say the verse? I'm not going to tell you if you're right or not. Lord, please bless the preaching of your word. Save the soul that is nearest hell. Revive backsliders, glorify your name. We ask this in your name, amen. You may be seated. Anyone see it? It's in here. <coughs> the escape from hell is here. Brother Ben? 29. He says 29. Anyone say something different? Yes, ma'am. 31. She says 31. Let me tell you why I'm preaching this. I was asked a question recently. I've been asked this question on multiple occasions, but I've, I, I was asked this question recently. Pastor, tell me, is hell real? I've had this question asked to me in a joking manner. <laughs> you, you don't believe that, do you? You really don't believe in that hell stuff, do you? I've had it asked to me nervously before. Is that true? When you're talking to somebody about the consequences of sin, they say, is, is that true? Have you ever seen a court video where a criminal is waiting for his sentence? And up to that point, the judge hasn't made it clear how serious the jury and the judge has found his crime. And the criminal is at the mercy. And the criminal is waiting to hear his sentence because his sentence is going to determine how serious the judge and the jury find his crime to be. And if the judge says, I sentence you to a year in prison, he might say, well, I guess my crime wasn't that serious. Or I sentence you to community service. Well, it wasn't that serious at all. But if the judge comes back and says, I deliver you to the death penalty, at that point, the criminal would realize how serious it was. 
And when you tell somebody about the consequences and that the, the wages of sin is death and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. I've had people ask me, is that true? You know, if criminals really knew what the justice system would enact upon them, I think it would stop a lot of crime. And if sinners really knew what was waiting for them, I think it would stop a lot of this mess that we see. But because churches and preachers especially have gotten soft with this matter, and even our new Bible version, some of you, you have a Bible version that says, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. The Bible says in hell. There's a, there, okay, there's a difference. That's why, I don't, that's why I don't like Bible versions, these new Bible versions that change words and therefore change meaning. If I were to tell you, Brother Marvin, after service, let's, let's, say, let's say in the morning I looked at my kids, I looked at McKenna, Everly, and Haddon, and I said, I do not want you playing on the playground afterward. It's dirty, it's muddy, it's wet, you're going to ruin your clothes. Do not play on the playground. And after service, I find out they're playing on the playground. Brother Marvin, I tell you, please go tell my children. I want to see them immediately because they are in huge trouble. I told them not to do that. They are disobeying. I need to see them immediately. They're in huge trouble. Please go and tell them. Five minutes later, my kids still haven't come. So what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to go outside. Kids, did Brother Marvin not tell you I wanted to see you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Oh, now I'm getting real mad. <laughs> Oh, he did. Why didn't you come inside? Well, it didn't seem that serious. Well, it didn't seem that serious. Okay. But then I find out this. I find out this. Brother Marvin, you said this. Jay, kids, your dad wants to see you. Wait a second. You only... Did I want to see him? Yeah. But you changed my words, and you changed my tone, and you changed my meaning. And my kids made a decision based on, okay, Dad wants to see me. We'll see him after we play. Wait a second. It's a lot different. It's a lot different to tell those kids, your dad wants to see you immediately because you're in huge trouble because you're disobeying him. At that point, if my kids hear that and they ignore, that's on them. But Brother Marvin, if you change my message, that's on you. And churches and pastors and Bible versions are changing eternal damnation, are changing eternal punishment, are changing forever and ever in a lake of fire to, he's not that pleased. <laughs> Hades means the place of the dead. In, in the place of the dead, he lifted up his eyes. My Bible says in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Is hell real? And this, this person who asked me this recently asked me with all sincerity, pastor, tell me, is hell a real place? Well, we've all heard about hell. TV portrays it. I like watching Tom and Jerry. And there's an episode where Tom dreams that he's going to be sent to hell. And in hell... It's fire, and it's a dog with a big boiling pot where he cooks cats. That was their portrayal of hell. 
artists draw it. Music mocks it. All my friends are going to be there too. I'm on a highway to it. Holidays celebrate it. Stories describe it. Preachers have warned about it. And yet people still ask, is it real? Jesus seemed to think it was real. Yes, it is real. Now you can think I'm lying to you. Why would I, why would I lie to you? Oh, you just want to be dramatic. Oh, I can be dramatic if I want to be dramatic. I could, I could do a lot of stuff just to be dramatic. I could jump in the baptistry if I wanted to be dramatic. This isn't about drama. This is about the fact that Je what Jesus brings out in this is it doesn't matter how you live. These men lived completely contrasted in life. One was rich, one was a beggar. One wore good clothes, one was in rags. One ate whatever he wanted, one ate crumbs. But guess what? Both had in common. They both died. You can't avoid death. They both died. And one went to heaven and one went to hell. He makes it very clear. Hell is real. If hell is real, let's put it this way. If hell is not real, live however you want to live. Do whatever you want to do. I was reading Steve Jobs' biography, and he was a Zen Buddhist throughout his life until, until the last couple months of his life. And he was talking to his biographer, and he said, you know, sometimes I believe in God, and sometimes I don't. It's about 50-50 with me. And then he said this. He said, you know why I don't put on and off switches on my devices? Because a big part of me believes that when you die, it's just that. You're just done. Nothing left. He said, I would like to believe in an afterlife, but I don't, I don't know that I do. I think, it's just, I think it's just this. If that's true, if it's just this, and you're done, eat, drink, be merry. Tomorrow we die. Do whatever you want. But if hell is real, you need to escape it. If Jesus is right, you need to escape it. Who's going to heed the warning? Who's going to listen to what Jesus has to say? Who's going to listen to what the Bible has to say this morning? Who cares about what the Baptists think about hell? Who cares about what the Catholics and whatever denomination thinks about hell? What does Jesus say about it? What does the Bible say about it? You know what a lot of people say, Brother Danny? When they hear about hell? Mokusatsu. Write that down. Mokusatsu. Miss Maria is looking at me like I've lost my mind. Lady, I lost my mind a long time ago. Mokusatsu. It means to ignore entirely. It means to kill with silent contempt. It means to press forward unchanged. Mokusatsu. May 8th, 1945, Germany surrendered. But war still raged in the Pacific, with Japan at its head. And it raged until July, into July. Harry S. Truman and the American government, the military, started something called the Manhattan Project. 
where two weapons of mass destruction were created. Atomic bombs. And on July 6th, 1945, they made what was called the Potsdam Declaration. It was a declaration to Japan that included in it, we expect unconditional surrender. If you do not surrender unconditionally, your nation and your people will be met, here are the words, with prompt and utter destruction. July 26th, 1945. They dropped leaflets all throughout Japan with a picture of the test of the bomb. You can read what the leaflet said. America is in possession of the largest bomb ever created. And it will be dropped on one of your cities listed on the back of this leaflet. And it said this, we have no, we have no qualm with the Japanese people. Our problem is with the Japanese military that has enslaved the Japanese people. But they said this, unfortunately, bombs do not have eyes. We beg for you to leave. Evacuate the city. Two days later, July 28, 1945, there was a press conference with the Japanese government. And they said this, it's not true. It's not real. The Allies said, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. That's quite the gamble. See, if the Japanese government is right, they look really strong. If they're wrong, they're signing the death warrants of hundreds of thousands of people. But on July 28th, there was a press conference, and, they, and he, he said this. The, the premier, it was called, he's called the premier of Japan at the time, said this. Our government does not consider this threat to have any value. We will simply mokusatsu. We will ignore it entirely. We will kill this threat with silent contempt. We will press forward unchanged until we have won the war. They lost the gamble. Within two weeks, as many as 226,000 people were dead in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Hell is real, I'm telling you, hell is real. Mokusatsu. America has thumbed their nose at God especially and said, Mokusatsu, just ignore it entirely. Press forward unchanged. Kill it with silent contempt. That's quite the gamble. If you're right, good for you. Good for you. You've proven God wrong. You're the first person. If you're wrong, you will burn. If you're wrong about its existence, you will burn. If you're wrong about its escape, you will burn. Or you're trying to scare us. Yeah. 
Why did they drop those leaflets? Oh, they're just trying to scare us. They're trying to warn you. Fear is a good warner. Jude says this. Some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. This is not a threat. This is real. If you're right, you're, you're right. What if you're wrong? If hell is real, you've got to escape it. And according to Jesus, he warned about it on multiple occasions. Hell is real. If heaven is real, how can we go? If hell is real, how can we escape? And hell was so real to Jesus, he left heaven to come to earth. Hell was so real to him, he lived for 30 years unknown. Hell was so real to him, he obeyed his father in everything, submitted himself to his father. Hell was so real to him, he did everything he could to validate his ministry. He healed blind eyes, he healed lame people, he healed deaf ears, he cast out devils to show that he was stronger than Satan. He was despised and rejected, but he, he put up with all of it. He was falsely accused, falsely tried, beaten, put in prison, crown of thorns on his head, mocked, spit upon, slapped, and, and hung naked on a cross for six hours. He rose again. He rose again. He rose again to show I am exactly who I said I was. He fulfilled every prophecy about him for one purpose, to save you from hell. To save you from hell. That is how real it was to him, to save you from hell. That's why he did everything. And you have all of these false depictions of hell out there. You watch these movies about it, and it's all, it's all light, and maybe it looks like a desert, and people are kind of walking around, and they look like they're in some form of misery, like they have a sinus infection. The Bible says it's not light, it's outer darkness. The Bible says it's not silence, it's cries, it's weeping, it's gnashing of teeth. It's not a desert, it's not a cave, it's certainly not a party. You think, oh, my friends are there. His, he had five brethren. And those five brethren might have joked, oh, our brother's there, we'll be there soon, bro. And he in hell is saying, don't come here. The Bible says it's a lake of fire, a bottomless pit. Verse 23 puts it this way. It's a place of torments. Simply puts it this way. I love the simplicity of the Bible. Torments. What brought torment? What brought torment to him? First of all, I see physical pain. It was a place of physical pain. Thirst and burning. Thirst and burning. Verse 24. I just want Lazarus to dip his finger in water. I don't want to guzzle. I don't want to gulp. I just want to drop from Lazarus, from that homeless man's finger because I'm burning. I'm tormented in this flame. My preacher told me he used to do two-a-days. He was a football player. I am not a football player. Can you tell? I couldn't even be a stat man on a football team. And he would do August two-a-days in Louisiana, which was two practices back-to-back. -back. 
And he said the people would get so thirsty, they would take towels and they would, they would wipe down everything and they would wring out the sweat from the towels just to get something to drink. That's what you do when you're thirsty. Have you ever write about people who are lost and they get thirsty and what they do? This man was thirsty, physical pain in hell, and he's burning. Everyone's seen the picture of the man hanging upside down with the twin towers in the background who jumped from hundreds of feet up because he didn't want to burn. People all that day said, I would rather jump than burn. Hell is a place of physical pain. You know what else brings torments in hell? Memory. Verse 25, son, remember. You are going to remember eating food you will never enjoy again. You will remember drinking liquid that you will never taste again. You will remember laughing in happiness that you will never feel again. You will remember sleeping in comfort that you will never possess again. You will remember fellowshipping with family that you will never see again. You will remember denying a gospel that you will never hear again. Here's what else brings torment in hell. Sight, sight. In hell, he lift up his eyes. Can you imagine for all of eternity seeing the heaven that you rejected? That man today is still burning over 2,000 years later, and he sees the heaven that he rejected. Sons are going to look up and see their mothers that prayed for them in heaven, but they are not there. Husbands are going to look up and see their wives, but they are not there. Wives are going to look up and see their husbands, but they are not there. Fathers are going to look up and see their daughters, but they are not there. Because they rejected. I had a man. I won't tell you his name. I had a man that I went and visited on a Saturday because his, his adopted daughter just got saved, just trusted in Jesus, and she was going to get baptized the next day. And I said, sir, why don't you come? Why don't you come? And I had already talked to him about the Lord, and he said this, I don't believe in all that. I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. Very, very, not blasphemous, but just excusing of everything, made everything very light. I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. You, that, that's, for, that's for you. If that's for you, I respect you, but I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. I said, well, sir, why don't you come to church tomorrow and see your, see your daughter get baptized? And he said, oh, I wouldn't miss that. I'm like, oh, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't miss that for the world, would you? Why? Because I'm going to be there for her. I'm going to be there for her. I wouldn't miss that for the world. He said, you wouldn't miss her baptism for the world but you're going to let her go to heaven without you. And that's exactly what he did. He said, oh, oh, you got me. You got me there. He said, yeah, how real is that Jesus stuff to you now? Trust in him. No, no, but I'll be there at church tomorrow. He sat right back there 
and I preached on heaven and hell, and he laughed the entire time. I just got a call yesterday from one of his family members. Pastor, he's in the hospital, he's paralyzed, he can't even control his bowels. Would you please go see him? You bet I'm gonna go see him. And you better pray that the Lord, hey, hey, the Lord has a way of shaking people and waking them up because he doesn't want you to go to that place. Amen. He will happily put you in a wheelchair if it keeps you out of hell. He will happily slap you up across the face so that you don't have to burn. But if that man doesn't trust in Jesus Christ, if that man doesn't come and do what this passage says, he's going to look up for all of eternity and see his daughter in heaven and he's not there. Physical pain, memory, sight. He is going to remember the time that a preacher came by and said, trust in Jesus. And he said, no, I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. He's going to remember it. Here's what else. No God. You know what else brings torment? No God. No God in heaven. He said this, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Because he didn't see God. And if God was his father, he wouldn't have been there. No God. So past the flames, past the hurt. If God, if, if you could have the presence of God you would overlook the flames, you would overlook the sound, you would overlook the smell, you would overlook everything if you could just have God. No hope. Verse 26, there's a great gulf fix. No hope. Once you are there, you cannot escape. We talked to a man yesterday, his name is Ryan. I said, Ryan, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? No, I don't. But I'll figure it out when I get there. Whoa, buddy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Too late. Too late once you get there. He said, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I showed him this passage. He trusted in Jesus yesterday. Amen. You have this time right now. You do not escape then. You escape now. It is a horrible place. Jesus made it very clear. He didn't pull any punches. It's a place of physical pain, memory, sight, smell, everything heightened. Re Revelation said that the drunk is still drunk, looking for a drink and never getting it. The rapist is still a rapist, searching for his next victim and finding it, but never slaking his lust. Hell is a horrifying place. And why would God create a place like that? It wasn't for you. It wasn't for you. Matthew chapter 25 says it's for the devil and his angels. It's for the devil and his angels. That's who it's for. But if you commit the devil's crime, you have to face the devil's punishment. And the devil's crime was simply this. I want to make my own decisions. I want to be God. And every time God says no and you say yes, you are committing the devil's crime. Every time that God says yes and you say no, I'm going to do things my own way. I'm going to follow my heart. You're committing the devil's crime. You deserve the devil's punishment. How can God send people there? He doesn't send people there. God does not send people to hell. People choose to go. You know what God sent? You know the only thing God sent? His son. God sent his son. God does not send people to hell. God sends his son to earth so that you can escape it. 
So how can we escape hell? How can we escape hell? Let me tell you how not to. What I see in this one, verse 19, it ain't money. It ain't money. This man had plenty of it. Money, money is not the escape from hell. You, you think you're going to get there and buy your way out? Lord, look at all this green paper I have with no gold to back it up, with a president's picture on it. Aren't you impressed? You know that in Joel chapter 3, don't look it up now, in Joel chapter 3, you, you can read it. The Bible talks about judgment day, and there are going to be rich nations that try to bribe God to get out of judgment. And he says this, are you offering me a recompense? And then he says this in, in, in words that I'll paraphrase. He says, put away your wallets and bring your weapons. I'm not here to bargain. I'm here to fight. Because you rejected my son. Is that what you want to hear? People are going to buy their way out of heaven. This man didn't. And he's got a lot more money than you. Money is not the way. He's, Jesus said this. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Because a young rich ruler had just come up to him and said, oh, I, I do all of this stuff. Oh, and I have all of this stuff too. And Jesus was not impressed. He said, sell it all. Sell it all. And the man went away grieved because he had much possessions. And Jesus said, hardly will a rich man enter into the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says this. What shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. And what is a man going to give in exchange for his soul? I like this one. Proverbs 11 verse 4 says this. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Aha! Aha! Righteousness. I just have to do good. I just have to do good. Good deeds. Good deeds. I just have to be a religious person. And my good needs to outweigh my bad. I hope that's not the case. It's not talking about your righteousness. It's not talking about your righteousness. Titus 3.5 says this. We don't find God's love by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by the merciful work of Jesus on Calvary, the merciful work of Jesus on the cross. So how do we escape hell? Not money, not religion. This man was a religious man. Father Abraham. He had Jewish religion. He went to the temple. He sacrificed. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He was a religious man. From what I see, he even showed kindness to a homeless person at his gate. He could have kicked him out. He didn't kick him out. Could he have done more? He could have done more. But he let the man stay at his gate with stray dogs coming up everywhere. He let him do it. He showed kindness. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. I go to church. Congratulations. In hell, you will lift up your eyes with your church membership certificate. I got baptized. Congratulations. And in hell, you will lift up your eyes. I give to the poor. Congratulations. I believe in God. The devils believe. The devils believe and tremble. I do all these things. Read Matthew chapter 7. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not done? Have we not done? Have we not done? Have we not done? And I will say, I never knew you. 
It's not the way to escape from hell, not money, not religion. Now, maybe you're asking this, why are you telling us all the ways not? You know, we asked you, what is two plus two? And you're telling me not five, <laughs> not six. <laughs> Thank you, you know? Why don't you tell us what it is? The reason I'm telling you what it's not is because people believe this. People believe this. People believe. The Catholics believe if somebody goes to hell, but somebody gives enough money to the church that you will atone for the person's sins. They teach that. And people buy it. No wonder the Catholic Church has so much money. It's a horrible doctrine, but it's a great idea. It's a great fundraiser. You don't think your uncle was saved? He was an atheist? He was a horrible person? Give me money. And people believe it's works. The Mormons believe it's works. The Catholics believe it's works. The Protestants believe it's works. When Jesus says over and over and over, for by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. I got here without Jesus. Not money, not works, not time. Not time. Oh, I'll just pay my dues. There is no purgatory. There is no purgatory. He didn't say, there's a great gulf fixed, but just chill out for a little bit. Just let your iniquity be purged for a little bit. And soon enough, you'll be in my bosom too, bro. It'll be all good. Just, just take your lickings. I don't care how much you want to come up here. You can't. You can't. There is no escape. Jesus said it's forever and ever and ever and ever. Eternal punishment. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. If you're going to escape, you better escape now. I'll do it later. You know how many millions of people in hell are there who said, I'll escape later? There are some people who say, I would rather have my sin than God. I'd rather have my sin than God. I just choose my sin. There's plenty of people who say that. More people say this, I'd rather have my sin and then God. Someday. And you miss Jesus by one moment. You miss him for all eternity. You've got to escape now. So how do we escape? How do we escape? Because you're not guaranteed a later. The Bible says, call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. So, since you're not guaranteed a later, and we know that hell is real, how do we escape? And the man says this, if it's too late for me, if it's too late for me, focus in, focus in. If it's too late for me, it's not too late for my brothers, is it? It's not too late for my brothers. So will you let Lazarus come back to life and go and tell them? And what's his answer in verse 29? They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear Moses and the prophets. No, 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 no. But if they hear, if they hear from someone who's risen from the dead, then they will believe. If they don't hear Moses and the prophets, they will hear nobody. So there's our answer. There's our answer. The escape from hell is in Moses and the prophets. Moses gave us the law, five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And if you've read them, I've read them before. 
Here's what the Bible says. Man sinned. And because of sin, there was a penalty. There was death. But there's a way to atone. There's a way to atone for sin. Blood must be shed. The innocent must die for the guilty. There's sacrifices. Follow this and you can be atoned for your sin. That is what Moses tells us. There are sinners. Death is coming to the sinner. But a sacrifice of an innocent animal will atone. That's what Moses teaches. What do the prophets teach? Because, okay, if that's the case, why don't we sacrifice animals? Why don't we all have goats and lambs in our backyard anymore? That's where the prophets come along. The prophets come along and say, all of those animals are a picture of somebody to come. All of the, it's, it's impossible for man to be atoned by the blood of bulls and goats. They are a picture, they are a shadow of somebody to come. And the prophet Jacob said he's going to come from the tribe of Judah. Cool, information. Let's get a little bit more specific. The prophet Samuel said he's going to come from the line of David. Tribe of Judah, lineage of David. Micah says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Sounding familiar. Sounding familiar. Isaiah said this. Isaiah said he's going to be born of a virgin. That really narrows it down. <laughs> Anybody else born? Never mind. Isaiah and Daniel said this, he's going to suffer and die. Isaiah said he's going to be bruised for transgressions and chastised and stripes. Daniel said he's going to be cut off, but not for himself. The prophet David said he's going to rise again. Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. We will not leave my soul in hell. Who do we know? From the tribe of Judah, lineage of David, born in Bethlehem of a virgin who suffered and died and rose again. Say his name. Jesus. Don't say God. Yes, he is God, but say his name. Jesus, the law and the prophets point to one person. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the last prophet, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. All the, the sacrifices, here's the Lamb, the Lamb. So Abraham tells him, Son, it's too late for you. It's too late for you. Oh, but Father, it's not too late for my brothers. No, it's not too late for them. But if they want to escape where you are, they had better listen to the law and the prophets. No, send someone back from the dead. They'll listen to him. No, they won't. No, they won't if they do not listen to the law and the prophets. How can he say that? Because Jesus rose from the dead and people still don't listen to him. People still say, money, money, I'll get out by money. And he said, riches profit not in the day of wrath. Okay, all right, works, works, works. He said, no, for by grace are ye saved through faith, not of works. Then time, 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 time. He said, no, it's forever and forever and forever. If you are going to be where Jesus is, you must believe what Jesus says. And he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, not worketh for him, not does things for him, not is baptized in his name, for whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Who's going to heed the warning? And if you're here and you're afraid, and your heart is pounding out of your chest, and you're afraid of the sin that is on your account, good. You are closer to Jesus than you have ever been in your life. But you've got to heed the warning. And he says this, repent and believe. You know why many of you, your lives never change? Because your minds never change. If you want your life to change, change your mind. That's what repent means, change your mind. And your life isn't going to change until you change your mind. And you stop believing what you want to believe, and you believe what Jesus says. He says this, he that believeth the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, why did I do this today? Well, first of all, God tells me to preach on hell. God tells me to preach on hell. But here's another one. I see in this story, there's a lot of people in hell who are begging me to tell you. Some of you have uncles and aunts and cousins and grandparents who are in hell right now, and they're saying, oh, please listen. Do not come here. It's not a party. I was wrong. Am I trying to scare you? Were the allies trying to scare Japan? Yeah. To warn them. There is prompt and utter destruction coming. Mokusatsu. No, it's real. And you can escape today. You can run. You don't have to run from the Savior, you can run to the Savior. And he can forgive you. Can you wouldn't it be good news if all of your sin could be erased from your account today? Wouldn't it be good news? And church, if you already know that you're saved, how many of you, you know that you're saved? You know that you're going to heaven. You've trusted in Jesus before. Raise your hand. If you can't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. Put your hand down. Do you know what this message means for you? Somebody in hell is looking up at you saying, your neighbor is my brother. Your neighbor is my son. Your neighbor is my grandfather. Father Abraham, please, somebody, send them to... Please be a Christian and shine the light. When's the last time you led somebody to the Lord? If you don't know that you're going to heaven... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It is that simple. That is the escape from hell. Who will heed the warning? Who will say, I want to escape? And if heaven is real, how can I go? If hell is real, how can I escape? I want to escape. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.